The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Oh boy. <laughs> Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Thursday, June 30th edition of the show. And I had a whole show put together. We had conference previews for uh, the ACC. I was going to go through each team for, I believe, the Coastal Division, etc. I mean, just a lot that I was going to get into. And instead, we have just massive, massive news for the sport of college football. And we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about that. And then, of course, on the back end, I will have some other news that we have not gotten to discuss this week, uh, like the Big 12, a new commissioner, uh, the ACC scheduling format, etc. But all of that seems to pale in comparison to this. USC and UCLA are joining the Big 10 in 2024. And shocked isn't even the right word. I'm not shocked. Because we all knew that this was coming. As soon as Texas and Oklahoma decided to join the SEC, we knew that more moves would be made eventually. It felt like for about a year that everything was just going to remain calm for a little while. And instead, we get this. And I don't don't think it's done. Uh, I will say this is the end of that goofy alliance that we had been talking about for I mean, a year, basically. Ever since Texas and Oklahoma decided to join the SEC, the Big our Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC had joined into this alliance. And they were a voting alliance, and all 41 member institutions had decided to align unanimously on voting and other things that they were going to work on. But nobody could ever really tell you exactly what that was. It wasn't a scheduling alliance. George Klyovkov came off, or came out a couple of weeks ago and explained that he was a little frustrated with how slow some of these scheduling talks for non-conference games were going because you still had Pac-12 and Big Ten teams and ACC teams, obviously, playing non-conference games against the SEC. This was supposed to be these guys against the SEC, right? And instead, what you have is not necessarily infighting, But you do have the Big Ten who decided to take two schools from the Pac-12. And yes, we're going to get to the move and all that, why it happened. But I I do think another part of this is you are now going to have less of a Rose Bowl stranglehold on the CFP. Right? That's one thing that had always been talked about, the sanctity of the bowls and the sanctity of da-da-da. There is no sanctity in this sport anymore. 
This thing is done. It's all money grabs. It is a Fox conference and an ESPN conference, and it ain't done. This is not finished by any stretch of the imagination. So the Rose Bowl stranglehold on the CFP, I think, is done because you will not have a Pac-12 and a Big Ten bowl game. This will not be a contract bowl anymore. They will find a way to end this because USC and UCLA are now out with that bunch out east, or I guess in the Midwest, whatever you want to call it. But this is, I mean, the ramifications of this are massive. It feels like it's bigger than the Oklahoma-Texas move to the SEC, right? Like, and maybe I'm the only one that feels like this, but this is the first time that you are going to see a full America. Like, we, we did have it with Conference USA. I understand that. The AAC has done something similar. But when you have teams that are all the way on the East Coast and all the way on the West Coast, LA all the way to Piscataway, that's, that's massive. And trying to figure out... We could have probably seen this coming because front office sports, I mean, talked about it. Uh, the Big 12, excuse me, the Big 10, I'm going to get all these conferences right eventually. Uh, by the time they're all gone is when I'll have it all done. But the Big 10 media rights deal was supposed to come out sometime around Memorial Day, and it never popped up. Remember, Fox owns a big portion of the Big Ten network. They had a big group of meetings with all these streaming platforms and network uh, partners, etc., CBS, NBC, ESPN, Apple TV, uh, whoever else, right? Just throw it out there. Amazon, I think, was another big one. Um, They had all these meetings because Fox was going to also uh, partner with these other network providers, and the Big Ten was just going to be an all-day event. And now it certainly will be an all-day event because you've got games that can go early Saturday, and then you've got your afternoon, and then you've got your primetime game, and then you've got your 10 p.m. games. That'll be out on the West Coast. So Big Ten schools and those players are going to have to learn to figure out uh, 9 a.m. body clock games for for USC and UCLA. And then the ones that are all the way out east, Rutgers, Maryland, etc., those teams are going to have to figure out how to play at you know, 10 p.m. Central Time, 11 p.m. Eastern. Like, it, it's going to be nuts, I'm telling you. Uh, so let's, let's move into another topic. Why the move? Why is this happening? And a big reason why this is happening, uh, John Wilner actually put out, USC and UCLA uh, stand to make well over $100 million in their media rights deal in 2024 with the Big Ten. The Pac-12 was making somewhere around 30 somewhere around there, I think, $30 million a year. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it is definitely more than double, and maybe almost triple. Uh, it's insane, uh, the amount of money that they will be making by doing this. So, uh, you look at it, uh, the, I mean, it, again, the Big Ten media deal was supposed to come out a month ago, and it never came out. So, we, we should have seen that something was going on behind the scenes, but we just thought it was going to be a huge deal. Like a huge uh, billion dollar whatever. And now it can go for even more because you were bringing in the L.A. markets, right? USC and UCLA quickly realized there is not much left at the table 
for us when we go to contract negotiations here in a couple of years. Like the Pac-12 brought in George Klyovkov because he was uh, he was involved in entertainment. He understood how these deals work. He was a new guy, a new kind of uh, commissioner, right? He was the the new guinea pig because most of them were like Jim Phillips. They had been ADs. They'd been involved at the university side, et cetera. George Klyovkov blew that out of the water. And then, of course, the Big 12 hiring in uh, Brett Yormark. Uh, I mean, it's it has nothing to do with school anymore. It has nothing to do with universities. So, uh, USC and UCLA saw if we don't get on this gravy train, we are going to get left behind. Because as much as nobody wants to have it, we are going to end up with Super Leagues. Like I said at the jump, ESPN and Fox. Those are the two leagues. And that's it. That CBS ain't involved. NBC ain't involved. All of them may get some secondary rights, etc. If CBS wanted to partner with the Big 12 or somebody along those lines and actually pay them, then, yeah, maybe you could maybe you could build another one. I don't know. Like it, It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, USC and UCLA realized we got to get out of here. We are the bread makers in this conference. And, you know, it does leave some of them behind. It does leave Oregon and Stanford and Washington, et cetera, behind. That's going to be interesting. Uh, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the next move for the Pac-12. And, like I said, you still have 10 teams. It did used to be called the Pac-10 before they added Utah and Colorado. Maybe they just keep Utah and Colorado and the teams that they've got, and they just try and maintain a 10-game. Because we saw the Big 12 do it forever. They were a 10-team league. You can play a round robin. Okay, maybe. But I don't think that's the way that this is going to go. Uh, if you're the Pac-12, you have to find a way to keep up with the Joneses. Like Maybe having less teams can get you a bigger piece of the pie, whatever that pie is, from ESPN or Fox or whoever. Whoever is willing to pay you, whether it's Apple TV or Amazon or whatever. The issue here, like I, I would imagine they are going to have to do something because their two cash cows are gone. UCLA and USC and that entire LA market have disappeared now. So what do you do if you are this conference? So the first one that a lot of people on Twitter, etc., have started off with is, oh, you got to go add Boise. You got to go add uh, whoever. Which, by the way, if you're BYU, I mean, how sick are you today? Like, you are much more aligned uh, geographically, etc., with the Pac-12 than you are the Big 12. And now they are set to start Big 12 play next year, and they can't get out of those rights right now. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to find a way to. But, you know, I, I also wonder if the Big 12 had their way, would they rather have some of those Pac-12 schools that are left as opposed to BYU, Houston, Cincy, etc. So, either way, um, if you are the Pac-12, do you go and get Boise and... San Diego State or Fresno or whoever from the Mountain West? Do you try and add schools so that you can also be a 16-team league? Like, try and get up to that number with teams that are somewhat valuable and maybe a bigger, because they've always vouched for the Olympic sports, et cetera, which this is another interesting part of that. Like, what are you going to do with these Olympic sports, sending them all the way over to the East Coast? I mean, I, I don't know how this is going to work. But... Um, if you don't add Boise and San Diego State, etc., whoever from the Mountain West, if you don't get those teams, do you 
try and partner with the Big 12? Do you join a, a like make it a super conference by joining those two conferences together? Because Chris and I have said, and, and I've been pushing more so than Chris, I believe, I think that we are headed to four super conferences. Now, it may just be two. I may be completely wrong. But we've seen this in FCS, et cetera, where you've got like a 24-team league, and yes, it got crazy, and it's not a 24-team league anymore. I think it was the WAC that did this uh, in FCS football. I mean, they had 24 teams in one conference. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. But I will say that by joining up all of these, you hate to call them rejects, but these are the teams that the other big conferences did not want, right? Your Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Colorado, Utah, uh, the Arizona schools, your Oklahoma State, TCU, etc. Right, Kansas, Kansas State, West Virginia, whatever. You partner all of those together, and you've got some interesting matchups. You've got something that you can sell for TV inventory, and it could possibly bring you some pretty decent revenue. Would ESPN or Fox or whoever? be willing to pay a pretty decent price to where you can get back up with these schools to what you had been making, right? Because then those networks don't have to give out big deals to individual conferences. They just got to give one big one to a big 20-something team conference. Uh, The way that it's set up right now, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, the Big 12 is going to have 12 teams. And then the Pac-12 right now stands at 10. So you would have 22 teams maybe add two more. You get up to 24, a nice round number. You get uh, eight team division, three, eight team division. I don't know how you would do it. But regardless, this is very intriguing to me. How they go forward next. Like, what is the next step for the Pac-12 after this? On top of that, let's talk about Notre Dame for a minute. <laughs> because that's the that's the big cash cow. That's the one that everybody immediately jumped to. It, as soon as all this happened, they started discussing Notre Dame. And Jack Schwarbick said on, uh, I forget, it was in April. He was talking to Pat Forty in an interview for Sports Illustrated. He said that the Division One breakup is inevitable. And he then stated that Notre Dame is going to be aligned with those schools that are more worried about academics than they are sports. Now, I don't necessarily know that I believe that. But the next big domino to fall here, because we you got Texas, Oklahoma, and now USC. Those three, outside of the SEC and Big Ten footprint, those are the big three brands. And then Notre Dame is the fourth. Notre Dame already has an agreement with the ACC to play five games against their conference through 2036. Do they try and find a way to break that agreement because their deal with NBC, they have wanted to be independent for a long, long time, right? And they they have been, they have enough of an endowment that they don't have to worry too much about media rights. But the issue that they run into is if you don't hurry up and join one of these conferences, you could get left behind, right? And we'll talk about the playoff and all the implications uh, that this does on that. We'll, we'll talk about that. But the next big domino, of course, will be Notre Dame, what do they do? Do they do anything? Do they just stand pat? Do they continue on? I mean, we we have seen this. 
multiple times. People have been talking about Notre Dame joining a conference for years, and you kind of started to see it in COVID that if they did not have the ACC to help them out, I mean, they would have been in a lot of trouble. I don't know who they would have been able to schedule. They would have had to basically make a schedule from week to week to see who was available. And instead, they joined the ACC, and they play for a conference title that year. I mean, it's it's bananas to think about it. Um, you know, let's uh, let's go and hit an ad right quick, and then, uh, then we'll come back and hit, like, biggest winners on the other side. Let's take a break from the show for just a minute to give you some info on things you should know about. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, our gambling picks, our store, the gear we use, and more. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get not only the full shows, but individual segments, along with other goodies as well. We're over 5,600 subscribers right now, and our goal by the end of football season is 7,500. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. You can visit winningcureseverything.com slash store and see what all we've added. And now, back to the show. The biggest winners in the USC to U, uh, USC and UCLA move to the Big Ten is not actually USC and UCLA. Yeah, we can consider them big winners, etc. But I think the big winners here are the ones that were already grandfathered into these two conferences. The Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Mississippi State, Purdue, etc. Those that if they were in another conference, I don't know that there would be a lot of stock for them going to another league. I Those schools stand to make so much money. It is beyond ridiculous at this point. Like, it, Would you have ever imagined that you would have a conference with Texas, Oklahoma, and Mississippi State? And not me. Not me. Not in this day and age. And I don't know that you're in a position. like You can add teams. I don't know that these conferences have figured a way out to move teams out of their conference. 
Because if if they had, do you imagine some of these schools that don't produce as much revenue, that don't bring in the ratings, would they still be in these conferences? I seriously doubt it. Like, this is a whole new world. And for those of you that are fans of those schools, I understand. I am not trying to hurt your feelings, right? But we're looking at this from a business perspective because that's what all this has turned into. It is a complete business. There is nothing about geography or tradition or anything along those lines. This is money. These TV networks that are, I mean, that have just been hemorrhaging money, right? They have to find new ways to innovate. You cannot continue to put Northwestern against Iowa on a big brand network. Like, it it doesn't draw in the same kind of eyeballs. That's why you have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska, whatever, for your big-time, prime-time spots on Fox. And then for CBS, it's why you get an Alabama-Tennessee game that's a three-touchdown spread as opposed to a really good matchup between a good Mississippi State and a good Kentucky team. Right, It's why we've seen that, because ratings matter, and the fans of those schools will watch those teams, regardless of whether they're good or not. Right, That's the issue that we're running into with this. So the big winners, of course, still Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Purdue, Mississippi State, etc. All the, I mean, South Carolina, like those kind, I, they are going to continue to make these checks. And when they get these checks, they will continue to have an opportunity to maybe eventually find a way to win some of these conferences. Do I think that they will ever win these big-time leagues? Probably not. Like, do I give USC a chance to win the Big Ten at some point? Well, yeah, obviously. It's a big-time brand. Do I give UCLA as much of a shot? Probably not. And that's got nothing to do with the current coaches or anything like that. It is based on program. So, and it's a much harder path in, in the Big Ten than it is in the Pac-12. So, regardless, uh, let's talk about Lincoln Riley really quick. And, whew, this has been a, quite the whirlwind for him in the past, what, four months or so? Five, well, I guess six months uh, since he left. I guess it was December when he left to, uh, to go to USC. So maybe six, seven months, somewhere around there. He decided to leave Oklahoma for USC. Now, he was highly rumored to be going to LSU, and there were talks there, of course. He did talk to LSU about that job, but he was not exactly the happiest that Oklahoma did not talk to him about the move to the SEC. He was blindsided in that situation. So he goes and he chooses USC over LSU because at USC, for one, I don't know if you can consider them a sleeping giant, but they have not been good in quite some time. You have a chance to rebuild a big national brand that has no real competition. Like in the Pac-12, once USC gets rolling, that's it for everybody else. So I don't know that he really wanted to take the harder path. I mean, obviously, people have seen you can win national titles at LSU. That's why Brian Kelly took the job. But Lincoln Riley, I think, had first dibs on that LSU job, and he took the easier path. How much easier is that path now? USC, from everything that has been reported, USC did not talk to Lincoln Riley about this move to the Big Ten. I think they decided, oh, if we want to really compete in this space, if we want to pay Lincoln Riley $10 million a year, if we want to be able to afford NIL deals, et cetera, whatever, if we want to be able to keep up with the Joneses, we got to be one of the Joneses. 
we have to move to the Big Ten where we're going to get a gigantic media rights contract so that we can continue to pull in this money. It seems pretty simple. If you're going to spend money, you got to find a way to make it. And moving to the Big Ten is the way to make it, but that is now two times in the past year that Lincoln Riley has been blindsided at a job. Does he find a way to leave USC and, <laughs> and go join somewhere else? Uh, it, I guess it all depends on your access to the playoff at that point, which will actually get us over to, I guess, well, let's stay on Lincoln Riley. I mean, how how irritated does this guy have to be? He has got to, if I were him, I'd be so livid right now. And obviously, he's got it made right now. He's perfectly fine. But Oklahoma fans used to be really upset about having to play an 11 a.m. kickoff pretty regularly because they were the big brand that Fox would put on for their big noon kickoff. Now, not only is he going to have to play 11 a.m. games, he's going to have to play 9 a.m. body clock games. So 9 a.m. Pacific, he'll have to play some of those, and then he'll have to go the next week and play a 10 p.m. Eastern time game, etc., to fit into these contract negotiations. I can't imagine that that's going to be easy to prepare for. Right? This is not an easy thing to do. So I am sure that he is just livid. Uh, and he's still young. He's got a long ways to go. Like, does he does he just decide to move on to the NFL? I mean, at this point, I don't know of a lot of coaches that wouldn't. And he will certainly have options. But we'll we'll see how this season goes and what he ends up doing before USC jumps over to the Big Ten. Again, that won't happen until 2024. But whew, if I were Lincoln Riley, I'd be mad as hell. I mean, <laughs> so mad. So mad. Uh Next topic on this, what does it mean for the conference, excuse me, recap. What does it mean for the college football playoff? Now, obviously, we talked about the Rose Bowl to start things off, but the USC and UCLA move to the Big Ten, I think, again, effectively squashes the alliance. And I think that it could kill that Rose Bowl partnership between the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Because these two conferences were in agreement on a lot of things, etc. And the whole time, I say the whole time, that's obviously misspeaking. USC and UCLA, as soon as they decided that they wanted out of the Pac-12, they reached out to the Big Ten. They did it because they knew they could get the most money from there, and there was actually room there, and they align academically more with those schools than they do with the SEC, et cetera, et cetera, right? With with these two, I don't think you're going to have that same contract in the Rose Bowl, and I don't think that the matchups are going to be as nice as they had hoped to be. The Rose Bowl always wants USC and Ohio State. That's what they want. They haven't gotten it in a very long time, but now that there's no option for that, I mean, you're, you're going to get USC and Ohio State much more regularly by those two joining in the same conference. So what is the Rose Bowl going to do? Now, that's just one aspect of this. The other side of this, don't you think the Pac-12 and the ACC are kicking themselves for not agreeing to that uh, playoff expansion that was talked about last year? Like, it, this was something that was done up, and the big hang-up from a lot of, lot of people was uh, one from the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten, was they wanted autonomy for the five major conferences. They got to be kicking themselves right now because 
I don't know that there's any way that those two conferences, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, with the way that they are currently constructed, I don't know how they get into a four-team playoff. So on top of that, uh, I mean, you gotta you got to figure out, like, the big hang-up for them was the autonomy aspect of it because the way that it was drawn up, the way it was constructed is the top six conference champions get in. If you were going to get in, if you were going to be a conference champion in those leagues, you were going to be ranked in the top six anyway of those conferences. Like, I don't understand why you had the hang-up on that. Now, obviously, there was a lot more going on with that. The ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips discussed ad, ad nauseum how much he wanted um, all these different things in the sport to settle down before they decided on a playoff. Well, it does not appear to be settling down anytime soon. Uh, you had an opportunity to go on and lock this thing in and make sure that you got paid because now we'll move on to this next step of this. Do the SEC and the Big Ten even need these other conferences? Like, And, and yes, obviously, it's better for the sport when you have all areas of the country, all different fan bases, etc., excited about your product, right? But if you still can't get an agreement on the way that the playoff is supposed to be done, what's to stop... And, and the two major networks that are involved in this, obviously, are ESPN and Fox. Those are the two that really want to be involved with the playoff. What's to stop those two, Fox and ESPN, from getting the SEC and the Big Ten to come together, make an eight-team playoff, just do away with conference championship games, and then you've got an eight-team playoff for whatever kind of championship it would be, national championship, the network championship, whatever it is, right? You would have a lot more big-time matchups. You would get more Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Florida, Michigan, Georgia, Penn State, stuff like that. That would be insane for viewership, especially in a playoff setting, right? I I think, I worry that that's the direction that this could be going. That's that's what I'm worried about. Uh, next up on this, uh, we did a, a, a tweet that came out while I was actually talking. Uh, I write my time down, of course. Da, da, da. The, the voice of the Pac-12, John Wilner, the guy that knows everything, um, He's, I think he's like the Pac-12 hotline, whatever it is. John Wilner is great at his job, and he knows everything about everything to do with that conference. Uh, he heard from a source around 3 p.m. on Thursday, do not assume that the Big Ten is done. Now, the Big Ten, again, academics incredibly important to them, so you have to look at AAU members, uh, hardcore Penn State football on, on Twitter, he came out and said the potential targets for the Big Ten would be, and this is based on AAU membership, Duke, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Utah, Kansas, Colorado. If the Big Ten was interested in Oregon, Washington, Stanford, etc., don't you think that they would have been part of this as opposed to just USC and UCLA? Like, I don't think that they want anything to do with Cal Maybe Stanford, possibly. Um, because if you look at this, USC is a private school. UCLA is a state school. So it's not like they were wanting a specific type of university to come in. They just want AAU members. In this situation, 
I don't know who their next potential target is. Obviously, you've got those that I listed. You got to bring up Notre Dame. You got to see if there is a way to get them out of that AAC or ACC contract. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's so strange uh, because if they're not done, then that means that the SEC is not done. And who's left after that? I mean, who does the SEC go and get that actually brings value to the 16 teams that they've already got? Other than Notre Dame or possibly Clemson, like you'd have to go into the ACC, and at that point, you got to find a way to get them out of that grant of rights. And that grant of rights runs all the way through 2036. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> all, all this is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing to me. Uh, Brett McMurphy did come out. Uh, I do want to talk about this because he reached out to some sources at the Big 12. And he came out and said, da, da, da. let's see, uh, the Big 12. Oh, his Big 12 source says that the Big 12 could add Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah to get up to 16. Obviously, earlier in the show, I was talking about the idea that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 could merge and just have a gigantic Super League. But if the Big 12 comes poaching, uh, because at one point we talked about the Pac-12 possibly poaching the Big 12, I I don't know how many seats at the table there are anymore. Like, I just, I have no idea. If you've got USC and UCLA moving to the Big 10, that just destroys all the ideas that I had before. Because now I, I I don't see four, and you divvy up the Big 12. Like, now everything's up for grabs. And you just get the biggest possible names that you can, and then you go from there. But I don't know what the big names are after that. Like, unless you are going to go and take the ACC teams, and I don't know how you do that right now with their contract not being up for another 14 years. I, I have no idea. I don't know how it works. So, I mean, for the ACC... Like, I got to tell you, that 2036 contract that they had, like, they were very irate. They were upset about the fact that they are not going to be able to continue to grow monetarily. But at the same time, if you're a school like Boston College, Syracuse, you know, et cetera, uh, you better be happy that Clemson and Florida State and Miami are still in your conference. North Carolina is still there, NC State, whatever. Like, whoever is actually worth eyeballs. Uh, because if not, I mean, ACC could be looking at the same path that the Big 12 and now the Pac-10 would be looking at. And like, this is becoming a a huge, huge thing. Um, but yeah, if they can get Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, like, I am sure that the Big 12 would want to do that. Who poaches who? Like, does the Pac-12 end up trying to grab some of the Big 12 schools? Uh, both of these with brand new commissioners, both heavily involved in the entertainment industry. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, you guys jump in, leave some comments, all that good stuff. Uh, we're going to hit one more little ad break right quick, and then I'm going to hit some other news that happened over the week and uh, and do maybe some quick hitters right quick. So I've, I've got quite a few things that I did want to mention, uh, but none of this is as big as, as USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. So let's hit this thing, and we will be right back. Let's take a break from the show for just a minute to give you some info on things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures, or you can follow the guys at GaryWCE and at Chris B. Giannini, or you can also follow us on Facebook. 
If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show, too. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com. We'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And now, back to the show. The Big 12 hired a brand new conference commissioner, Brett Yormark, uh, and he was an executive at Rock Nation, which is Jay-Z's company. And before that, of course, he was involved with the Brooklyn Nets, so he knows a thing or two about the sports universe, etc. Again, this is a guy that is involved in the entertainment industry. He understands that side of it. This is an out-of-the-box hire that the Big 12, I think, was looking to do maybe to replicate what the Pac-12 did with George Klyovkov. Of course, obviously, we've seen what has happened with the Big or with the Pac-12, but the Big 12 here uh, stands to try and and figure out a new way to monetize their product. Right? Uh, I I just listened to this book, and I believe Greg Sankey is the one that read it before the Texas Oklahoma stuff. It's called The Club, and it's about Premier League soccer and the way that they went from just tiny, tiny schools or tiny uh, organizations up to these billion-dollar investments, billion-dollar organizations. Like, each individual team is worth just a ton of money now as opposed to, like, the players that are over there playing soccer right now are worth significantly more, like, they make more money than what those teams were actually worth way back when, like, maybe late 80s, early 90s. And now, I mean, it's just a massive, massive global phenomenon do they bring in this guy to try and figure out a way to monetize different ways? Like, is it not just a single TV contract? Do you find a way to get involved with multiple networks, and that way those multiple networks end up giving you more money for individual pieces than what you would have gotten just for an overall deal? Like, is there a way to do that? And I, I'm sure that this guy is creative enough that he will find a way to make this work for the Big 12 but man, it's not even his first day on the job. I believe July 1st is his first official day and the entire college football world, which is the entire college sports world, is on fire. It is a tire fire right now. Like I, Tire fire, dumpster fire, whatever you want to call it, it is chaos in this industry. 
and he gets to start day one by probably trying to reach out uh, to third parties that may be interested in moving to the Big 12. Like, maybe there's more expansion on the horizon, etc. I have no idea. I, it This is a crazy time to be taking over a new job. And, by the way, good luck to whoever ends up taking over the NCAA once Mark Emmert resigns. Like, this is, this is going to be mayhem. Absolute mayhem. This sport, I've never seen anything like this. Anyway. All right. Uh, next up on the board, the ACC. The ACC decided to release their new scheduling format for the 2023 through 2026 football seasons, and it was an eight-game scheduling format. Three permanent rivals, five rotating, and then five rotating the year after that, so it's 3 five, 5 There are 14 teams in the conference. This scheduling format only works if there are 14 teams in the conference. But the way that it is set up currently, one, the reason they did not move to nine-game schedules is because there's no reason to. Like, you don't you don't have to move to nine. Like, other... It, you're not going to get any more money out of ESPN for these deals or for these extra games, so why would you do it? It's kind of the deal with the SEC, right? Like, why would the SEC move to nine? But with the SEC, there are 16 teams. With 14 teams, with a 3-5-5, you will play every team in the conference twice in four years, which means home and away. That's a pretty good deal. You get to see everybody in the conference within four years. Uh, really, within three years. So, it it's interesting. Like, it's a good way of going about it. The other reason why you don't move to nine right now is because you still have to accommodate Notre Dame. Notre Dame has five contracted games every single year with the ACC all the way through 2036. And the negotiation for that was Notre Dame could not join any other conference other than the ACC as a full-time member between now and 2036. I I love this. I, I like what they're doing here because they are standing pat, just waiting it out and hoping, hoping that nobody finds a loophole that gets them out of this grant of rights. That's that's their biggest thing. So I do like the uh, the scheduling format. Uh, the only flaw with it is every single year that you do this, you have at least three teams per season that could go undefeated, right? So if you have all three of those teams that could possibly go undefeated, if they all do it in one year, what is that conference championship game going to look like? Like, who who gets in? I, they, they released tiebreakers. I haven't read through all of them because, uh, again, the college football world is on fire. But I am curious because... You know, if you do have one of those situations where you have three teams that end up undefeated, uh, does it go to playoff rankings? Does it go to something else? I mean, the odds of it happening are extremely unlikely. But there is still a possibility out there. You know, it's, it's the dumb and dumber thing. You, so you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, yeah, yeah, apparently we are. So once we move to... like, And now I'm curious about this because... Once the SEC decides to change up schedules, once uh, the Big Ten decides to change up schedules, what are they going to do? Is it going to be one seven? Is it going to be, you know, two six or what? Like whatever it is, what will they end up doing? How can you get through the entire rest of the conference? I, I have no idea. So 
we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, finally, let's hit on some quick hitters. And this is stuff that, you know, don't have to spend a long time on. But uh, Kentucky added two transfer running backs. I believe one was from Sam Houston State, another one from Tennessee. And those guys, uh, I would imagine, are being brought in because things have been really quiet when it comes to Chris Rodriguez, the running back. We talked about him on the show not that long ago. There have been rumors flying about all number of things as to why he might not be on the team this fall or he could be suspended for a while, etc. Nobody has heard anything. And then all of a sudden, Kentucky, in the same week, announces two running back transfers that they're taking that will be immediately eligible. So, uh, the other topic, uh, Minnesota. Lots of football drama. You have got players that are speaking out for and against P.J. Fleck. We've heard this for the last two or three years. A lot of them don't like the way that he runs things, etc. There are some of them that really do. I don't know exactly who to believe or what. I think it is possible for you to be endearing to somebody while making somebody else hate you. It's just strange that a college football coach could do that when it comes to his locker room. I'll say that. So, uh, curious to see what ends up coming out of that, if there will be any fallout from the Minnesota situation. Mississippi State has extended Mike Leach for two more years. Uh, Mississippi contracts for college football coaches, or really just anybody in the state of Mississippi, cannot go further than four years. So you either have to extend them an extra year every year, or you get to a point like this where there were only two years left on Leach's deal, and they had to re-up him, right? You had to find a way. He's making $5.5 million per season. I don't know that he will be here for the duration of the four years that are now left on his deal. Uh, if he cannot get the, I mean, the expectations are relatively low. And yes, I think Mississippi State could be a sleeper this year because of how good Will Rogers is the quarterback. But um, if he doesn't do better than like six and six, seven and five again for a third straight year, what do you do? Like, if you're Mississippi State, what are the expectations? Because they were willing to fire uh, Joe Moorhead after two years, and yes, that that locker room culture had gotten toxic there. So, obviously, you knew things were headed in the wrong direction. But he made it to two straight bowl games. Like, he was only there for two years. He went 8-4 and four and 6-6 six and six the next year or whatever. It was 7-5, and five, whatever. Uh, but they made it to bowl games. They were doing what you would typically expect a Mississippi State team to do, which is compete to be in bowl games. With Mike Leach, I, I don't know. So, we'll see. Uh, Two more here. Memphis and Boise State have decided to play against each other. They have scheduled a non-conference series. 2023 will be played in Memphis, 2026 in Boise. But again, I don't know necessarily that that matchup will actually happen if Boise State ends up in the Pac-12 or if Memphis ends up getting poached to go to the Big 12, etc. Any number of things for these future out-of-conference schedules, anything could blow these things up. So, so we'll see. We'll see if they end up playing. Uh, 2023, I would imagine, happens. I don't know about 2026. We'll see. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know I had to mention this one. A Texas A&M staffer was, uh, was on a, a tour, or was giving a tour of Kyle Field to a bunch of recruits. And he said, here's the quote, y'all getting a lot of money from these guys in these suites up there. Uh, he he talked 
not much. It was a very short clip. But for all the people that have been talking about it, for Jimbo especially, for this to come out, not a great look, obviously. obviously it doesn't, it's not necessarily incriminating. It's not whatever. It's just funny at this point, right? Because I, I've been screaming, if you're Jimbo, why don't you just say, yeah, we learned how to use NIL better than anybody to get this number one class. And instead, he said, nobody got paid, nobody broke any rules, nobody broke any laws, da 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 uh, It wasn't money that got these kids to come to Texas A&M. Okay, whatever you say. Like, anytime something like this, him saying all of that makes something like this a much bigger story. Like, I just, it, just own up to it or just don't say anything at all. Like, don't come out feeling all upset because somebody said something about you buying a recruiting class. Everybody's buying recruiting classes. Like, it's it's a new world. Welcome to it. All right, you guys have been awesome. I appreciate all of you for joining the show. If you have comments or thoughts or whatever, please jump into the chat or the comment section. I would love to hear from you. You can also email me, Gary at winningcureseverything.com, or hit me up on Twitter, at GaryWCE. What a wild, wild world we are living in, in the world of college football now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Let's go ahead and dive out of here. Again, you guys have been fantastic. Share the show out. Like the video. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you've not already. And, uh, and yeah, it's going to be a crazy weekend. I hope everybody enjoys the 4th. I don't know if I'm going to have a show on the 4th or on Tuesday the 5th, but regardless, there will be two next week. So be prepared for those. And with that said, you guys take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, 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 all of your tickets cash this weekend. Thanks for listening to the Winning Cures Everything podcast. The website is winningcureseverything.com. And if you want to connect with us, we're on Twitter at GaryWCE, at Chris B. Giannini, at Winning Cures, or you can email us, Gary at winningcureseverything.com or Chris at winningcureseverything.com. Subscribe everywhere you need to subscribe, and we'll see you soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.